in-depth, investigative. This is KXAN News. Tragedy just outside of Des Moines, Iowa this morning on the first day back to school after the winter break. A student armed with a shotgun and a pistol opens fire in a high school lunchroom. Thanks so much for joining us at 5. I'm Daniel Marine. And I'm Britt Moreno. The shooter killed one student and wounded five others. Jay Gray has the very latest on the first and hopefully the only school shooting of the year. An urgent call for help before the first bell reports of an active shooter inside Perry High School. An officer first arrived within seven minutes of that activation uh, and located multiple gunshot victims. Six hit in the attack, a sixth grader killed, five others, four students and an administrator wounded. The gunman, a classmate, 17-year-old Dylan Butler. Butler was armed with a pump action shotgun and a small caliber handgun. Butler also made a number of social media posts in and around the time of the shooting. Butler opening fire in the lunchroom before apparently taking his own life. The small town about 40 miles from Des Moines, stunned by the shooting just after the holiday break. It is tough. It is very tough. It's overwhelming. Like the pain in your heart is just overwhelming. Counselors are available to students and faculty at the high school as the investigation continues. Jay Gray, NBC News. And first responders say they found what's described as a rudimentary improvised explosive device during a search on campus and that it was quickly rendered safe by teams on the ground. Okay, XAN began looking into how to prevent and avoid these tragedies following the deadly Uvalde school shooting. The goal of our Stop Mass Shootings Project is to provide some context and explore solutions surrounding gun violence. You can read our in-depth reporting under this page over at KXAN.com. A father and son are now in custody in connection to the murders of a pregnant San Antonio teenager and her boyfriend. Overnight, police arrested 19-year-old Christopher Preciado and 53-year-old Ramon Preciado. Christopher has been charged with capital murder. His father faces charges of abuse of a corpse accused of helping his son move the bodies. Police believe Christopher killed 18-year-old Savannah Soto and 22-year-old Matthew Guerra during a drug deal. Police say the murders happened on December 21st, just before midnight. Investigators believe Christopher killed the couple, then took the bodies to the apartment complex where they were discovered days later. Detectives used surveillance video from that complex to track down the suspect's vehicle, along with information from Soto's phone. The father and son are now being held at the Bear County Jail. Police say both will likely face more charges. Senator Ted Cruz and Congressman Henry Cuellar visited the border today, talking about a new law expediting building and expanding bridges between Texas and Mexico. A new law passed under the 2024 National Defense Authorization Act will speed up bridge construction at the same time environmental studies are being conducted. These bridges are in the Rio Grande area, Rio Grande Valley in Brownsville, Laredo and Eagle Pass. Senator Cruz says he hopes this will help expand the state's economy and also help with trade. Every year, Texas and Mexico have roughly 800 billion in trade and commerce that comes across this border. That's jobs in Texas. That's jobs in Mexico. That's the lifeblood of South Texas. 
And the State Department has 60 days to submit its recommendations to the White House on the bridge proposals. The president then has 60 days to issue or deny construction permits. If he does nothing, then construction can begin. U.S. Border Patrol agents are now eligible to receive higher rates of overtime pay. This is also part of the 2024 National Defense Authorization Act. President Biden signed the act into law last month. It allows some Border Patrol agents to receive time and a half for overtime hours they work. The vice president of the National Border Patrol Council says it's been difficult for the agency to attract and retain qualified agents since a change in pay structure in 2014 essentially eliminated the time and a half rate. New York City wants hundreds of millions of dollars from Texas charter bus companies to cover the costs of caring for migrants brought to the city. That's according to a lawsuit filed today. The NYC mayor's office says the litigation is meant to recover shelter, food and health care costs for the migrants as well as future costs. The city says more than 33,000 migrants have been transported to NYC from Texas. Mayor Eric Adams says he hopes the lawsuit serves as a warning for future transports. He says in a statement, quote, we are taking legal action against 17 companies that have taken part in Texas Governor Abbott's scheme to transport tens of thousands of migrants to New York City in an attempt to overwhelm our social services system. Now, Governor Greg Abbott has issued his own statement. He says, quote, this lawsuit is baseless and deserves to be sanctioned. It's clear that Mayor Adams knows nothing about the Commerce Clause of the U.S. Constitution or about the constitutional right to travel that has been recognized by the U.S. Supreme Court. The governor goes on to say, quote, every migrant bust or flown to New York City did so voluntarily after having been authorized by the Biden administration to remain in the United States. As such, they have constitutional authority to travel across the country. Governor Abbott adds that if the mayor persists in this lawsuit, he may be held legally accountable for any violations. First warning weather with Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans. Well, the second storm system of the week is rapidly approaching, meaning rain is imminent in your neighborhood this evening. No rain yet, just some beautiful looking clouds, like a painting here on the Lorenz and Lorenz 360 cam. 58 in Westlake, which is several degrees warmer than yesterday, but it's our fourth cooler than normal day in a row. Clouds are holding tight, even increasing as the day goes on. Radar still dry in the metro area, but notice as we crank up the sensitivity and look a little farther south, the first little waves of very light mist and drizzle are developing across Canyon Lake and moving toward Wimberley and Blanco any moment. We also have a few more little light showers, very, very light, about to cross I-10 into Caldwell County. So rain's coming. Coming up, I'll show you the timeline of when it gets heaviest and when the rain wraps up, how your weekend looks behind it, and a new severe weather threat in the next seven days. David, thank you. With a little over 300 days until the general election, the race for the White House is shifting into new gear. Republican candidates are getting ready for the Iowa caucuses in less than two weeks. This as President Biden prepares to deliver his first major re-election speech of 2024. NBC's Bree Jackson has the latest. Republican candidates courting voters ahead of the critical Iowa caucuses, reacting to today's news of a school shooting in the state. Ron DeSantis offering condolences while also touching on his political views. We obviously, you know, have a responsibility to create safe environments. Um, federal government's probably not going to be leading that effort. I think it is more of a local and state issue. Conservative voters say stopping the flow of illegal migrants is a key issue. Americans want candidates to talk about how they're going to secure the border, uh, to protect Americans, to regain our sovereignty as a nation. Less than two weeks from the Iowa caucus, former President Trump maintains a commanding lead over his Republican rivals. 
A recent poll shows he's the first choice candidate for 51 percent of likely GOP caucus goers, despite his mounting legal troubles. Vivek Ramaswamy, a Trump defender, argues he should be the nominee, not Mr. Trump. At the end of the day, if we need a commander-in-chief who's going to lead us to victory, I think that our base needs to choose the general who is not yet wounded in that war. Trump is battling to stay on the ballot in Colorado, asking the Supreme Court to overturn a ruling that would ban him from appearing on the state's Republican primary ballot. The central issue of my presence. Meanwhile, President Biden's campaign releasing this new ad today, stressing his re-election message. There's something dangerous happening in America. There's an extremist movement who does not share the basic beliefs in our democracy. I think Joe Biden has a way to talk about protecting democracy as a way to provide for an economy for all people. Iowa will be the first time Republican voters will have their say. In Washington, Bree Jackson, NBC News. Well, up next, chaos in a Nevada courtroom as a defendant jumps the bench and attacks a judge. And the upgrades added to the Golden Gate Bridge in hopes of saving lives. Now to some jarring video out of Nevada showing a defendant in court attacking a judge and sparking a, a bloody brawl with court officials. Take a look. The defendant was about to be sentenced in a felony battery case and court officials say the judge is okay but has unspecified injuries. A courtroom marshal had to be hospitalized due to a dislocated shoulder and a gash on his forehead. The 30-year-old defendant was arrested on new felony charges, including battery on a protected person. His defense attorney has not released any statements. A project to install suicide prevention netting along the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco is now complete. A 20-foot wide stainless steel mesh net has been added to both sides of the bridge. The netting sits 20 feet down from the deck and is not visible from cars driving on the bridge. More than 2,000 people have died after jumping from the bridge since it opened in 1937. Construction began on the netting in 2018. It cost $207 million. The netting is designed to save lives but will not prevent serious injuries entirely. If you or someone you know is in crisis, you can call or text 988 to reach the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, or you can chat live at 988lifeline.org. Well, the supply for electronic cars is there, but the demand just isn't. At least that's how some car dealers are feeling here in Texas. The goal to rev up EV sales. And only four days into the new year, but every day so far in 2024 has been cooler than normal. Highs today only in the 50s, but things change this weekend. We're tracking rain, then sunshine in your first morning forecast. Some car dealers across the country are worried about what they call a weak demand for electric vehicles. Despite reaching a milestone of more than 1 million EVs sold nationwide last year, some dealers say they just can't get them off their lots. News Nation's Stephanie Haynes reports from a dealership in Plano, where supply is rising along with pressure from the government. Saving time, uh, convenience, uh, so those are some of the benefits of the electric vehicles. Ray Huffheinz has been selling cars his whole life. His father started this dealership nearly a century ago. So if there's one thing he knows, it's the ins and outs of consumer demand. So 
in layman's terms, there are some cars that might be sitting here for a year before being sold? We don't want that, but it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a supply and demand issue. According to a recent Bloomberg NEF report, more than 1 million electric vehicles were sold nationwide in 2023. That's the highest recorded so far. It's demand, though, that Huffines just isn't seeing. Getting a different car like an EV electric vehicle didn't even cross your mind? Uh, no, ma'am. And would you I ever really like the Camaro. Yeah. Would you ever think about getting one? Uh, maybe in the long run. It's the government that's really pushing this. They have what they call the corporate average fuel economy, and they keep raising that level to the point where the manufacturers must sell electric vehicles, uh, zero emission vehicles, in order to meet that. If they don't meet it, then they have to pay fines. But yet, the demand is not there. So the manufacturers can build them, but that doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to buy them. And you get kind of caught in the middle of all that. Yes. The Biden administration has set a goal that half of all new car sales be electric by 2030. And as time goes on, those in the auto industry believe improvements in features and prices will help supply and demand differences right now eventually even out. There isn't zero demand. There's plenty of demand. But automakers overdid it when it came to predicting the take rate for these cars. So now they have too many. And we're already seeing electric vehicle prices come down. As soon as possible, go drive one of these things. It's just a car, but it is the coolest car you'll ever own. It is unbelievable performance. That was Stephanie Haynes reporting. Another element to this is the tax credits, which can be a little complicated and they can change. And just this week, some models are no longer eligible for a $7,500 tax credit under the Inflation Reduction Act. And while there have been many efforts to add more EV charging stations across uh, in Texas and across the country, there can still be kind of hard to find. EV chargers are rated levels one through three from slowest to charge to fastest. When you pull up at a charging station, you'll typically find two types of plugs. There is a third type of plug, but that only charges Tesla vehicles. A slower charge may work well for an overnight fill-up, but a faster charger may be required if you live somewhere without a plug, like an apartment complex. We do have a map on KXAN.com showing the chargers available in the Austin area. Just search Find a Charger on our website and then sort the results by most relevant. And we are just getting word tonight the Texas Division of Emergency Management has organized state emergency response programs ahead of a weather system that's approaching the state theoretically today right. that could have lingering effects? Well, you know, the, the effects today into tonight, into tomorrow morning for parts of the state should be overall pretty minimal. Mm -hmm. I'm glad they're prepared, but especially in our area, just some light rain. This is beneficial, though, of course, because our drought is still bad. Last week, here's what the drought monitor looked like. Today, look at this update. Yeah, it looks the same, right? Well, our computer is not broken. It's just that the drought has not officially improved in terms of how little moisture is in the soil. 50% soil moisture or less across much of our 15 counties. So we're going to need a lot more to climb our way out of this. We do have some more, though, and it starts imminently in some areas. 56 right now under cloudy skies in Austin. Cedar counts even lower. This is wonderful with these periodic bouts of rain. Mold counts like rain, though, so these are actually trending upward, but still manageable overall. Here's that storm system that Britt was just referencing. It is pulling into the state right now with some snow flying up in the panhandle. This one is producing over a foot of snow in parts of the New Mexico Rockies, uh, southern Rockies there. And this is going to bring us some light rain tonight. Between storms,
storms, we'll get a great weekend. But remember, we discussed this active El Nino storm track. Yet another guy is getting set up here in the Gulf of Alaska, a couple thousand miles away from home. But this could bring us severe thunderstorms early next week. So let's dive into all of it, starting with the cloudy skies and developing mist and drizzle over the next hour or two. By 7 p.m., it's not raining everywhere, but some of that fine mist is becoming more widespread. And look at this, by 10 p.m. or so, it may be raining almost everywhere as light showers get more numerous. During the overnight hours, here we are at midnight, rain on and off almost across the entire area. It is possible we get a couple little downpours, but overall, this will be lighter rain, fewer thunderstorms than what we saw a couple days ago. And by tomorrow morning, aside from a little fog and maybe a shower out on 77, the storm is gone. We're going to go with a dry forecast from sunrise to sunset tomorrow as the storm pulls eastward. Finally, some sunshine pulls back out and warmer temperatures through the weekend. Rainfall, again, less than what we saw a couple days ago. Quarter of an inch or less for most of us. Maybe a little heavier in a few areas if you're one of the lucky ones. Best news of all, if you're tired of the gray, chilly weather this week, you're going to love Friday through the weekend. There goes tonight's storm exiting on Friday. Saturday, Sunday, a nice break between systems. But here comes the next one. This is the one I just showed you in the Gulf of Alaska. This is going to be making headlines across the country next week. It starts as a big snowstorm in the Rockies, then brings us rain and even the chance of severe thunderstorms on Monday. As it exits Texas, this is going to turn into a blizzard up in the parts of the Central Plains and Midwest. One of the first really impactful winter storms up there of the winter. On Monday, we do have a new severe weather threat. This is still four or five days out, so of course this will be a moving target, but this is a really dynamic system that's coming our way early next week, and according to our friends at the Storm Prediction Center, a couple severe storms are possible in our eastern counties. As I mentioned, check back for updates. This target area will be fluctuating in the next couple days. So tonight, no severe weather, probably not even any lightning and thunder, just some nice steady soaking rain, 80% chance of that with a little fog developing by morning, 46 chilly to start your day. But after a damp start tomorrow morning, it's beautiful all day. Gusty west-northwest winds and warmer temperatures up to 66. And this is going to kickstart a beautiful stretch of weather for a few days. Cold mornings with some patchy fog this weekend, but gorgeous mild afternoons. That next storm system does bring the risk of a severe storm, but also not a guarantee of rain. Rain chances now at 50%. And there's the colder, windy weather for a couple days behind it. Stick around. We'll be right back. National Nurses United says registered nurses in the residence and fellow programs at Ascension Seton Medical Center in Austin have voted to join the National Nurses Organizing Committee. They say 96% of nurses voted in favor and 225 nurses will join. The union says it represents more than 1,000 nurses at Ascension Seton Medical Center in Austin. And there you have it. Officials in Williamson County are celebrating the completion of a traffic project. The county and Liberty Hill Independent School District officials held a ribbon cutting to mark the completion of County Road 258 extension. Now the project constructed a new two-lane roadway from U.S. Highway 183 to Sunset Ridge Drive and included a connection at Cuesta Trail. The project was funded by voter-approved road bonds and by Liberty Hill ISD for turn lanes at the future high school. It also kind of bridges a gap for the school district and allows the connection between multiple parts of the district. And um, it also, we're standing at the entrance to what's going to be a new high school. So it makes, uh, it's going to be a lot easier for those uh, students as well as faculty and staff to get in and out of the school. 
The project cost over $5 million to complete. Right, here's a look at your primetime lineup. Coming up tonight on KXAN, we have Law & Order at 7, followed by a new transplant at 8, and also a new dateline at 9 o'clock before we're back with KXAN News at 10. You can join us an hour earlier for KXAN News at 9 on CW Austin, and here is where to find us.